Today is February 26, 2019. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler, Executive Director of the MyExcel Statewide Field Team, and this is Blueprint Symposium. Welcome to our fourth episode as we continue our everyday conversations with you, our colleagues in the Blueprint Network. I hope you'll share these new resources with anyone in your district who can benefit from this ongoing dialogue. Our goal is simply to help you live and breathe this work so you will realize your goal of dramatic improvement in student, teacher, and leader performance in a short amount of time. On tap for today's episode of Blueprint Symposium, in New in the Warehouse, we'll talk about how to use our five feature videos introducing the Blueprint to all of your district stakeholders. In Diving Deeper, we'll explore the five critical competencies and five alternative competencies needed to become strong, effective Blueprint leaders. Then we'll take one competency, team leadership, and think about how we might skillfully and impactfully lead a group for whom we have responsibility. In Becoming a Network of Disruptors, we'll talk about how we begin the journey as building leaders to spending 80% of our time focused on instructional improvement. And finally, we'll take a quick look on the horizon as we prepare for the opening of registration for our upcoming summer institutes. Are you ready? Let's go. In today's segment, New in the Warehouse, let's talk about how to use our five feature videos introducing the blueprint to all of your district stakeholders. Over the past several weeks, we've published a series of amazing video tools that you can use to continue the conversations you're having about the work of systemic reconfiguration. Let's summarize. TCAPS, Traverse City Area Public Schools, has graciously shared three videos with us, an overview, one specifically targeted for community stakeholders, and a third for teachers. We've added the Lincoln Park story and our overall blueprint video, The Blueprint, Bringing Hope to Our Future. All five of these videos are available on the Resource Center. All you simply need to do is go to the Blueprint Tools and Resources and then click on the Video Resource Library. Today, I'd really like you to think about how you will or how you've already use these tools to build a deeper shared understanding of the work. Have you, as a district, looked at these tools? Do you know what tools I'm referring to? Do you have a plan to use those with administrators, with teachers, with support staff, parents, and the community? These tools allow you to guide the conversation and to talk about how you, your superintendent, your district network, your building networks, are all partnering to meet both the academic and non-academic needs of each student. This disruption of the status quo begins with you. We've created the tools and the resources and the roadmap you'll need to be successful. These good conversations build a deeper shared understanding of the work. Take a look. These powerful videos will be really helpful to you. In today's Diving Deeper segment, we'll explore the five critical competencies and the five alternate competencies identified by public impact that are needed in order to become strong, effective blueprint leaders. Then we'll take one competency, team leadership, and think about how we might explore more skillfully and impactfully lead a group for whom we have responsibility. According to public impact, competencies or habitual patterns of behaving and thinking are key predictors of how someone will perform at work especially when they've not had the exact same job in a very similar organization. Two leaders of schools with similar students may have the same training and level of experience, but lead schools with very different student learning outcomes. Why? 
research suggests that competencies make the difference. Setting high goals, taking initiative, and leading through are examples. People who are already exhibited high levels of leadership competencies are more likely to lead well. So these competencies are habitual patterns of behaving and thinking. We measure those when we select blueprint leaders and teachers, and we want to grow those as we become stronger and stronger at building blueprint leaders. When we look at the critical competencies identified by public impact, we notice that those are listed as achievement, impact and influence, monitoring and directiveness, team leadership, and self-confidence. Conversely, the alternate competencies identified by public impact are conceptual thinking, analytical thinking, developing others, initiative and persistence, and planning ahead. When you look at the new samples of blueprint competencies and levels of expertise that are identified for uh, in our blueprint profiles for superintendents and central office administrators, building leaders, and teachers, those specific areas of expertise have now been aligned to these 10 competencies identified by public impact. Our goal is to help blueprint leaders and teachers exhibit and grow those competencies so that they can more effectively influence the behaviors that we list as areas of expertise within our profiles. As we work from these strengths, these areas of competence, or these habitual patterns of thinking and acting, we hope to grow our leaders and our teachers into stronger adult capacity to meet the academic and non-academic needs of students. Let's take one of those competencies, uh, team leadership, and let's really take that, uh, tear it apart a little bit, uh, looking at the rubric provided by, by public impact, and let's think about how we might characterize and, and think about ways to improve our team leadership if we think about a particular group of individuals that we are leading. So when you think about um, team leadership, so that is our responsibility, the responsibility we have for leading a particular group within an organization. The rubric that we use, developed, uh, adapted from public impact, lists areas that are yellow, um, blue, and green. So yellow, minimal impact, uh, green, stronger impact, and blue, you know, that highest level of impact. So let's think about some of those skills, right? As a team leader, you have to manage logistics, right? You've got to have schedules and agendas and calendars. It's, you've got to keep people informed. So there's how do we use our communication system, right, to be able to keep people informed. We have to manage the team fairly. We have to act to make the team effective. We've got to be able to tap into uh, individual team members' strengths in order to make sure there are given tasks that are closely and best aligned to the strengths that they have. We need to ensure that the team has the opportunity to perform by making sure the team has the resources that are needed in order to complete the, the task or, or the charge that the team has been given. 
We have to lead in a way that helps the team produce results. So thinking about making sure that the team has the opportunity to perform and that we lead the team in a way where we're able to maximize results is a much stronger way to lead than if we lead from the logistical side, which is gonna have minimal impact, important tasks, but minimum impact on the ability of the team to get results. And finally, at the highest level of expertise and impact within team leadership is the ability for the team leader to communicate a compelling vision that motivates the team to exhibit discretionary effort. So given that the team maybe doesn't have to do the work that they're being charged with, how do we motivate that team in order to really make sure that that work is being done? So when I think about potentially, when I think about uh, how I lead a building network, for example, and I think about my own team leadership skills. So at the lower end of expertise and impact is the logistics. So do we have agendas? Do we have a schedule? Do we have a meeting place? Do we make sure we've got calendars for all of that? Do we have a way to, to take minutes? Do we have a way to share those minutes? Those are all really, really, really important tasks that are important in our leadership but that's not really gonna move the team in order to get the results that we want. So let's think about moving up the, the scale, for example. So let's move to what can we do? How do we make sure, right, that the team has the resources that they need? So for example, if my building network doesn't really understand the work that we're doing around performance management, if I stay at the logistical level, I'm never gonna impact their ability to engage with and utilize performance management. So I need to make sure that they have the resources to be able to do that. So do they have access to the performance management driver system tools? Do they have the training that they need in order to understand performance management? Do they have ways of watching the data as it's coming in? Do they have the ability to collaborate and to process the data that we see in the performance management tools in the BPT, for example. So making sure that the team has the resources and the opportunity to perform is a higher level skill within that realm of team leadership than just simply being concerned about the logistics, right? And then how do I lead that team in order to get results? How do we focus? How do I help focus the team on not just processing the data that we get from the building performance tool, but actually identifying things we're gonna do as a team in order to impact that data and then providing the follow through in order to make that happen. And then finally, how do I make sure, right, that I communicate a compelling enough vision that my building network is eager, enthusiastic, and ready to take on the work of positively impacting that data? I need to continuously remind my building network about the urgency for the work 
the idea of disrupting the educational landscape so that we are saving the lives of every single child, each and every child in our building, that as we look at the academic and non-academic needs of students, and as we put those two systems together where they collide and we form the safety net, and we build adult capacity, and we're able to identify and respond to academic and non-academic needs of students, we are able to save the lives of the children for whom we are responsible. And if I need to put faces to the names in order to really create that compelling vision, that's my job as the leader to make sure that my team is absolutely as energetic and enthusiastic about the work as I am. And the only way they're going to get there is if I use those high-level skills associated with team leadership. So part of our district installation series that we are about to launch will help our leaders grow those skills and resources so that if I'm beginning this work in the logistics level of team leadership, I can move as quickly as possible to those higher-level impact skills like motivating my team based on a compelling vision and making sure that my team has the opportunity to perform and that we clearly focus on the results that we need. Those are all skills that I need to use as a team leader because in the bottom line, the effectiveness of the building network, just like the effectiveness of a district network, comes down to the person who's leading the charge, right? And so as a building leader or as a district leader, I need to maximize all of my competencies and skills in order to get the greatest benefit and the greatest movement and the greatest impact for each and every child. In today's Becoming a Network of Disruptors, we'll talk about how we begin the journey as building leaders to spending approximately 80% of our time focused on instructional improvement. Now let's think about that for just a moment. You don't go from where you are to 80% overnight. And you need to have a plan and you need to have a lot of support in order to get there. But let's talk about how would this work take up 80% of our time on the job and what are some initial next steps that we need in order to make that happen. Remember that our goal is to eventually, as building leaders, spend approximately 80% of our time focused on that improvement. That's what the research says is a, is a target number to really being able to effectively improve and impact instructional improvement. Now, if you're someone who's spending 20 or 30% of your time on instructional improvement currently, let's think about how we make that shift in moving toward 80% gradually over time. No one expects that we're gonna simply at one day be at 30%, at another day be at 80% uh, without a gradual move in that direction. And the other reality, of course, is we need significant support as building administrators in order to be able to move to that kind of time being spent on instructional improvement. What's involved as a building leader spending 80% of our time focusing on instructional improvement? Well, let's think about this for just a moment. As a building leader, perhaps we're shifting what we think is our responsibility away from simply managing the building, which is very important and something that has to happen, to really thinking about strategically our role in instructional improvement at scale. 
as the building leader, we are charged with improving instruction in every classroom every day, whether that is improving instruction in the classroom where the teacher is already performing top level of quality to anywhere on the continuum, knowing that my responsibility as a building leader is to strategically lead this improvement might be daunting, might be a little bit overwhelming. So let's break it apart a little bit to think about some of those steps that we need to think about, need to take, as we think about strategically leading instructional improvement at scale within our building. So let's start with the obvious. What do I need to understand to recognize? How do I understand, recognize, coach, and support high quality instruction? Before just simply beginning off on, on that task, I may need some additional support and training and learning from district leaders on uh, how to understand, recognize, and coach high quality instruction. Perhaps I was an ELA teacher and I really understand and I can recognize and I feel really comfortable coaching ELA instruction, but I never really felt comfortable teaching math or science or social studies. And so it might be feel daunting to be responsible for providing instructional improvement and leading instructional improvement in content areas uh, in which I don't feel that I have that level of expertise. So beginning, beginning on this journey really is about identifying what we really understand, how comfortable we are, how skilled we are at recognizing high quality instruction, coaching and supporting it, and learning and being supported in those areas where we feel that growth is necessary. When we think about instructional improvement at scale in a building, I think of the fact that every teacher in my building would need a growth plan. Now, typically growth plans get associated with underperforming teachers. Well, that, that notion simply needs to be cast aside because if we believe that the best way we improve performance for children is to improve instruction, then we should all be on growth plans, whether we are principals or teachers, whether we are high performing, whether we are somewhere on our way to high performing. And so my job as a building leader is to establish collaboratively with all of my teachers a very specific growth plan, taking a teacher, an individual teacher, where he or she is, and figuring out what we need to do to help them improve their skills and the way they deliver instruction every single day. Now, in order to do that, I need to understand deeply the way that they provide instruction in the classroom. And let's be frank, one or two classroom visits isn't gonna give me the data that I need to understand instruction deeply. So when you think about 80% of our time, that's really gonna be easy to do in terms of the number of visits that we need to make in a classroom before we really deeply understand instruction in that classroom. So when I think of going into you know, a third grade teacher's classroom, you know, a couple of times in September and getting, you know, and spending 10 or 15 minutes, that doesn't mean that I deeply understand what instruction looks like in that classroom. 
on a daily basis. And so there's no magic number to determine when I feel like I understand what instruction looks like in that third grade teacher's classroom on a daily basis. But when I do, and when that happens, that's when I need to engage in deep collaborative conversations with that third grade teacher to think about areas of growth and improvement. And that growth and improvement doesn't mean, again, necessarily, that that teacher is underperforming. But this is this idea that we all are on a growth plan. We all, no matter how good we are, you know, we can all continuously improve, whether that is how we perform as a building leader or how we perform as a classroom teacher. And so we would engage in those conversations to build that growth plan. And then my next step with that teacher is to provide assistance and support in improvement. Maybe I'm doing some coaching, maybe I'm, ha I'm having someone else provide some additional coaching, maybe the teacher is able to do some of that work uh, on his or her own, but wants to be able to get additional feedback and um, observation so that a second set of eyes is, is certainly important. But regardless of whether I have direct involvement in that improvement plan or have kind of a sideline involvement in that improvement plan, as the building leader, it's my job to follow up in terms of monitoring and coaching and documenting growth so that we can establish a new growth plan for that teacher. So we really keep everybody on this continuous loop of instructional improvement. And so when you think about all of that, it really becomes easy to think about how we would spend 80% of our time because this is a labor intensive uh, activity to be involved in with each teacher, one, one teacher at a time. So what are some initial next steps that we need to think about? Well, calendaring becomes really important. How do we think about how we allocate the use of our time? And the reality is, as building leaders, yes, there's an element of being reactionary to events that happen on any given day, but we can certainly be a lot more proactive in how we think about using our day and our calendars become really, really important. If we decide that this is what's gonna happen during this particular time of the day, on any given day, we really have the ability to make that happen. So calendaring becomes a major significant part of this work. Thinking about how we organize and plan for conferencing with teachers. Right? What's the difference between giving them feedback, which could be something very quick and electronic, versus really sitting down and conferencing with the teachers in our building. We have electronic tools to assist you in um, monitoring and recording uh, high quality instruction. We have a coaching record so that you can keep uh, track of your notes and your conversations so that you have a really good way and a really good source of documenting your information. Because if you're coaching 15, 20, 30 teachers, um, you can't remember all of that in your head. And so you've got to have a really good way of recording um, conversations you're having, supports that are needed, documenting growth. Uh, and so our coaching record, I think, is really important. Um, in our installation series, we've developed a coaching model so that you can move between the various roles that are associated with coaching. Um, and one of the, the, the significant pieces as a building leader is we have to learn how to delegate responsibilities. And so we don't always need to be the first responder to 
uh, a particular behavioral issue or other things or certain other things that happen in the building. We really need to rely on and build a team of folks that can handle some of those responsibilities because the reality is the work that we do as principals, building leaders is not something that we can do in our offices waiting for, waiting for the next thing to react to. We really have to have a plan for calendaring. We have to have a plan for delegating responsibilities that um, can be performed by people other than ourselves as we're engaged in uh, leading, strategically leading instructional improvement at scale. And finally, I think probably one of the most significant pieces, we have to be unafraid to ask our district leaders for support. That this is going to put us in a new role. There's an area of, or an element of discomfort. There's an element of growth for ourselves as building leaders. We have to be open to growing and learning and doing things uh, perhaps differently if we're going to think and hope that our teachers are gonna follow us on that improvement, uh, that, that improvement journey. And so we have to be open to uh, asking our district leaders for support, for um, guidance, uh, sometimes for assistance and responsibilities so that we are able to move closer and closer to our goal of spending 80% of our time strategically leading instructional improvement at scale. I can't think of a better way to spend my time as a building leader than to support our teachers in that ongoing effort to providing the very best instruction possible every single day for every single student. What a gift we have are, are able to give our teachers if we can give them the support that they need to become even better at how they do their work. Let's take a quick look on the horizon as we prepare for the opening of registration for our 2019 Summer Institutes. Registration begins for those institutes next Monday, Monday, March 4th, where we will update our Resource Center page listing all of the session titles session descriptions, and a draft of the schedule. Registration will open on March 4th to anyone who's interested in coming to either one of our institutes. A major shift in schedule puts the Leadership Institute in June of 2019. Let's take a look at the concept for that particular institute. Putting effective systems in place is only one half of the systemic reconfiguration equation. What's the rest of the story? It's how we lead the use of those systems by supporting educators and changing their practice. Our fourth annual Leadership Institute focuses on that later half of that question. The SWIFT will offer half-day intensive seminars examining and building the specific leadership skills and blueprint competencies needed to bring about impactful change. Participants will define the leadership growth trajectory that will position district leaders to successfully utilize the Blueprint's drivers, driver systems, driver district systems, and building level routines to support dramatic changes in student teacher and leader performance in a short amount of time. This year's Leadership Institute also includes an optional third day for districts who want to stay in Ann Arbor and engage in facilitated Blueprint team planning on June 20th. The Leadership Institute is scheduled for June 18th through the 20th at the Kensington Hotel on State Street in Ann Arbor. Next Monday, March 4th, 
specific breakout sessions, titles, descriptions, and a copy of the schedule will be available for your review. We hope you'll take the time to register your team as quickly as possible as our capacity for numbers is smaller than it has been in the past, and we anticipate filling up to capacity very, very soon. Let's talk about the Blueprint Institute scheduled for August 2019. Join us for our fifth annual Blueprint Institute, disrupting the status quo, installing the blueprint to realize success for each student. Taking place on August 6th, 7th, and 8th, 2019 at the Kellogg Hotel and Conference Center in East Lansing, this institute will offer full day, half day, and 90 minute seminars examining various components of the blueprint for systemic reconfiguration. Primarily geared toward our blueprint installing districts, but with exploratory sessions as well, participants will select program offerings that not only deepen their understanding of the various blueprint systems and routines, but explore the interconnectedness of these systems. We have three op additional optional events, a pre-conference planning session on the evening of August 5th, as well as facilitated team planning time on August 8th. The Blueprint Board Network will also convene for its third state meeting on day three or August 8th. Again, a complete schedule of session titles, session descriptions, and a draft of the schedule will be available beginning March 4th when we open live for registration. Let's hope to see you at both of our institutes in the summer 2019. That wraps up episode four of Blueprint Symposium. I hope you're finding these new tools to be useful, engaging, and supportive of your efforts. Thanks for taking some time out of your very busy day to join me. Blueprint Symposium is now available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Now easier than ever to find and listen, just add it to your library and you'll never miss an episode. Our next episode of Blueprint Symposium comes to you on March 11th. In the meantime, please follow me on Twitter at Grant A. Chandler or the statewide field team at Blueprint underscore Swift. Let's continue this conversation on Twitter using the hashtag disrupting the status quo or hashtag Blueprint underscore Swift. Join us Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. for a live chat using hashtag Swift underscore live chat. Don't forget, tune in to real-time real support Wednesdays at 9 or Thursdays at 4, moderated by Angie Jack and yours truly. From all of us at the Statewide Field Team, here's to a great week of educating and supporting each child. MyExcel Statewide Field Team is dedicated to providing local districts and the ISD ESAs who support them with the intense support needed to assist them in systemic reconfiguration for the sole purpose of saving the lives of Michigan's children. We are committed to this vision and will do whatever it takes to support district superintendents and their teams in this critical endeavor to educate all children and to demonstrate to others that public education is viable and is capable, if it chooses to, of successfully serving all children in a culturally proficient environment, regardless of who they are, how they identify themselves, where they come from, or what type of family support they have or do not have. The MyExcel Statewide Field Team operates from the Calhoun Intermediate School District and is funded from federal Title I funds through a statewide competitive technical assistance grant from the Michigan Department of Education.
Thus, these materials were produced with Title I Part A funds and are part of the public domain. The MyExcel statewide field team proudly recognizes its partners in this work, Muskegon Area Intermediate School District, Eastern Upper Peninsula Intermediate School District, Gogebic Antanagan Intermediate School District, and MAISA. We are grateful for their willingness to share their expertise with us and with the entire state. The original music used in our podcasts and blogs was composed and performed by Claire Castle. For more information about the statewide field team, the Blueprint for Systemic Reconfiguration, or to access Blueprint tools and resources, check out our website, www.myexcelresourcecenter.org. That's www.myexcelresourcecenter.org.